Bible near you, why don't you grab that and turn with me to Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. Uh, They shouldn't be hard to find. These are the last words of the last chapter in the Bible. The final words of the inerrant word. So if ever location gave emphasis, this is it, right? This is it. This is the final close of the Bible. And so it kind of goes without saying that with verses with such significance, and as we're going to see such content, we're only going to scratch the surface in 10 minutes. If I've not said everything you wish I'd have said from these verses, forgive me. I've not said everything I want to say from these verses. But we're doing Church of Prayer, which means we want to do two things as we look at the Bible. We want to motivate our hearts to prayer, and we want to direct our mouths with what to pray for. And these verses do that for sure. So let's read them together. Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And so the Bible finishes. Subject matter is pretty plain, isn't it? The return of the Lord Jesus. It's something the book of Revelation focuses around, and it's something even this last chapter centers upon. You can see that if you look over the page at verse 7, behold, I am coming soon. Verse 12, behold, I am coming soon. And then in our verses, verse 20, yes, I am coming soon. And in each of these instances, it's held out as a moment of blessing, but a moment with great warning. From verse 20, we can be of no doubt that this is a certain event. Do you see the certainty? He who testifies to these things. Jesus himself says, I am coming soon. Jesus is without sin. So it's definitely not a lie. This is happening. And he says soon. It's imminent. Uh, Me and Grace were with our good friends yesterday. And uh, she is nine months pregnant, due in one week's time. And that baby is imminent. That's the picture of the world in relation to the return of Jesus. This is imminent. It's coming soon. So this is the promised return of Jesus. But what's your reaction to it? If I say to you, Jesus is coming back soon, what do you say? Are you with John, who says, Amen, that means let it be so, come Lord Jesus? Or is your reaction one of hesitation, nervousness? I could only think of three reasons why you wouldn't pray, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Number one, if you're not a Christian yet. If you're not a Christian, this book of Revelation is particularly clear on two things. One, it's warning to you, Jesus is returning as judge. And secondly, it's offer and invitation of grace to you. You can see that even if you just want to read as we pray together later, verses 12 to 16. They'll give you the warning and they'll offer you the grace. The second reason I could think of why you wouldn't pray this prayer is if you're a Christian who's got slightly confused thinking about the return of Jesus. This has been a popular area for bad and false teaching. And so there's lots of things that might freak us out about the book of Revelation and the return of Jesus. But the book of Revelation itself is a letter to Christians, not to freak them out, but to encourage them, to press on, to assure them, to motivate them with this picture of the return of Christ, to endure through to that day. And I hope you see, even as we study tonight, that this is not a moment to be feared, but a moment to look forward to. The third reason, and I think this is probably most of us, if you can't join in with John straight away and say, Amen, come Lord Jesus it's going to be down to wrong motivations. That we're so attached to stuff here, there's so much we still want here, that we're not ready to say, come Lord Jesus now. Maybe we'd say, come Lord Jesus in a little bit, or maybe we'd say, just not in my lifetime. 
And I think that shows up in our prayers, doesn't it? Even if you're not opposed to the return of Jesus, when was the last time you desired it in prayer? Come, Lord, please, speed your return. I think when we don't pray that, it betrays in us that there's things we prefer to Christ. Now, it's not that love for other things is wrong, is it? It's not that a desire for relatives to come to know Christ or a desire to see the birth of grandchildren or a desire to get married is wrong. But if we yearn for those things more than we would yearn for this moment, our our priorities are wrong. Not those things, but the order of them in our priorities. Uh, The suffering church has no problem praying this prayer. Their eyes are open to the realities of now and the glories of later. The comfortable church struggles to pray this prayer because we've got a tight grip on what's happening today. We want now rather than we want this. But brothers and sisters, there should be nothing we desire more than the return of our Jesus, to see him in his return. And I want to just really quickly pull out a fraction of why that's the case, why we might say and why we should say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Here's what the Bible says in part the return of Jesus means. The return of Jesus is the completion of all of God's plan. It means that people from every tribe and tongue and nation have been reached, rescued, and are now rejoicing. It means that myriad believers and myriad angels are gathered together in one song at the throne of the Lamb. It means all the covenant promises of God are full and final, complete. It means mission is over. All the lost have been found. It means that every believer will be fully conformed to the likeness of Jesus. It means for me and you, brothers and sisters, resurrection bodies made like his glorious body. It means decay is done away with dentists. You're out of a job. Death is defeated. Purposes has to close at the return of Jesus. Satan, demons, all the enemies of God banished forever. Sickness, sadness, no more, no more cancer. Justice will reign. Hunger will stop. Sin, oh, this is good. Over. No more sin. No more wrong longings in the flesh. Done. Lust, greed, betrayal, bitterness. Gone. Every godly longing satisfied completely. All the now and not yet that we experience now, fully now. They're just now. There's no not yet. They're now. New life, unending life, everything inaugurated in Christ's first return, consummated, fully restored creatures receive their reward as we enter into the renewed creation. The earth's groanings are satisfied, earthquakes finished as the new Jerusalem descends down the holy city of God that glows with his glory. Eden is restored, no, Eden is bettered by this city of glory which we, God's people, are invited to enter as a bride to her feast. Amazing to dwell there by the river of life forever. The fall is reversed. The curse is banished. Faith becomes sight. Everything tainted and temporary becomes purified and permanent. This is what the return of the Lord Jesus means, right? This is why we would desire it and say amen. But look again. Look again at verse 20. John does not say, amen, come the new creation, or amen, come the end of sickness. Look at what he says. He says something that includes all of that, but centers upon what I think is the most desirable aspect of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Him. Come, 
Lord Jesus. This is what's ultimate. The end of the age means eye contact with the eternal God. For me and you, brothers and sisters, this is what it means for Christ to come back. That you really, physically, genuinely will stand there in a resurrection body and see through resurrection eyes the resplendent and radiant glory of the God of eternity, perfectly personified in the physically raised Lord Jesus Christ, your saviour. When that happens, your resurrection heart's going to leap for purified joy, right? That's what it means for Christ to come back. You get to see him. This is the goal of our salvation. Think about uh, 1 Peter 3.18. Christ died once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring us to God. This is the moment where we get God. You will see Christ as more real than I'm before you now. That's how it'll be. You'll see Jesus standing before you. You'll feel nail-pierced hands grip your real resurrection shoulder. This is real, more tangible than this. I was reminded as I was thinking about this, about the Chilean miners, as they were rescued from their, their, it was over a month, wasn't it? In a cave of darkness and despair. And as they were brought to the service, there was two hugs they wanted to give. They wanted to hug those who'd rescued them. And they wanted to hug those who they'd been separated from, who they'd missed. The amazing thing about the return of the Lord Jesus is he's both of those things, right? He is our rescuer. This is the one who's brought us up. And so we long to see him and embrace him as our redeemer. Incredibly, he's the one we're reconciled to as well. He is the one that we long for and we get to be with. That's why you pray, come Lord Jesus, isn't it? Because you want him. And this is to have him in the full. What's the joy of the bride? It's the groom. Any bride who's more excited about her feast on her wedding day than an eternity, well, life with her husband is twisted, right? If you're more excited about that meal than about the groom forever, there's a problem. And so as much as I'm excited about the new creation, and boy, am I. I long for it as I live in this world. I'm excited for a resurrection body. I've just tipped the point of where your body is only declining. That's 21, which is brutally early, isn't it? But I am destined for 60 years of slower and fatter and aging and graying. And all of that, I want a resurrection body. More than that, I want the resurrected Lord Jesus. I want to see my Christ. That's why this expression, come Lord Jesus, has been fresh on the lips of Christians for every generation. Uh, that's why you see it in 1 Corinthians 16. It's a sort of early Christian statement. They're just used to saying it, come Lord Jesus. They desired it. That's why it's part of our liturgy as we uh, come to the Lord's table. We'll say that we do this in remembrance of Christ till his return. Because at some point we're not going to need a cup and a slice of bread to remind us about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he'll be there. This gets really redundant when Jesus comes back, right? We're not going to do this. Because he's going to be there. We don't need to remember him this way. He's right before our eyes. Uh, That's why in uh, our wedding vows, me and Grace said, till death do us part, or the Lord Jesus returns. To remind us, this is imminent. We need to be expectant. We need to be prepared. Lots of the teaching of the New Testament focuses on in preparedness for the Lord Jesus' return. A lifestyle worthy of that moment. Think Romans 13, 8 to 14. It's focused around how you should live in the light of Jesus' return. But the other reason we should talk lots about the return of Jesus 
is to keep us desirous of that moment. I don't want to have apocalyptic amnesia. I want to remember Christ is coming. And remember that's the reason I was redeemed. That's why we've been saved, for this moment. Not for heaven, though that's better than this, but for the moment of Christ's return, for living with him in the holy city. You can read all about that in chapter 21 of Revelation. I'd recommend especially 19 through 22 of Revelation. Stunning. But the picture of this city is incredible. You'll see that in verse 3 of chapter 22. We'll read that. It's just on the page next to us. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. No separation. And his servants will be with him, will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their forehead. There will be no more night. They will need not the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. That's where we're going to the city where God dwells with streets that effervesce with the glowing glory of the risen Christ. This is the moment to long for and live for, I think, brothers and sisters. This is the moment to pray for, right? And in that way, verse 21 seems an anticlimax. We're just back to the normal ending of a biblical letter, right? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people, amen. And that helps remind us, this is just a letter to a church. That's what this is. It's a letter to Christians. But I think it's an incredible reminder that the Lord Jesus is with us by his grace till he's with us in his body, right? Near by grace till next to in flesh. And we need it. If we're going to endure to this moment, we need the daily grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not that we throw away all of our other prayers and just pray for the return of Christ. Everything else we've learned to pray in this benediction series counts. We still pray for our sanctification. We still pray in view of the mercy of today that Christ hasn't returned that more would be reached, that more would enter in. But we pray that expectantly in light of the return of Jesus and desiring it more than anything else when the fight is over and the enjoyment of the victory is eternal. Hearts directed, lips directed, we pray for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and we pray his grace with us till he is with us. Let's read those verses one more time. He who testifies to these things says... Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Uh, So let's use um, some of those thoughts to guide us as we pray just now.